showing you how to reignite the embers of a distant and lonely relationship into a blazing, emotionally intimate connection. I'm your host, Amber Dawson. I'm a psychologist, author, and speaker. A few of my favorite things are my husband, Grapes, and my adorable little dog, Riggs. Now let's learn how to create a soul crush in love that lasts. Hit subscribe in your podcast app so that simply by listening, you can rekindle your relationship by pouring a little gas on your relationship ember. This podcast is for informational purposes and should not be misconstrued for specific relationship advice. For advice for your specific relationship, seek a local couples therapist for relationship counseling for couples therapy. In today's episode of Relationship Psych, the podcast, we're talking about why couples fight and how to stop it. When your communication is struggling, you might find yourself thinking things like, I want to feel more connected to my partner. I want to feel understood by my partner. I'm unheard and getting resentful. I'm tired of fighting about the silly stuff. I'm walking on eggshells to avoid the next heated fight, or we struggle to find a resolution. I get it. It's really hard to stop fighting sometimes, to feel connected when you and your partner have been fighting. So what are the reasons that couples fight? I think there's four. There's probably more, but here are four reasons that couples fight. The first is beneath the issues we're talking about. We have needs, dreams, beliefs, feelings that aren't being met. And sometimes we don't realize they're not being met. Like this week, I was feeling irritable with my husband. He left a spoon on the counter, something not a big deal. I leave spoons on the counter. We're spoons on the counter kind of couple. But when he did it, I felt angry. I had to pause and go, whoa, why am I so angry that he has left a spoon on the counter? And I realized I had some unmet needs, unmet needs about our rituals of how we usually do chores together. We've been really busy over the summer, so we haven't been doing things like cooking or grocery shopping together like we often do. And so I felt like I had taken on more of the load. So when he left a spoon on the counter, I was feeling very mad. So what I had to do is understand what this meant to me. It felt like I was alone in these tasks and I needed his help again. So I had a choice in that moment about how I brought that up. Did I yell at him for putting the spoon on the counter? Did I think about the meaning and come to him when I knew more? I came to him when I knew more, but my past me, oh, I probably would have yelled at him for the spoon on the counter. Okay. A second reason couples fight are past vulnerabilities and past hurts that have been swept under the rug and not dealt with. When you sweep something under the rug, it's like it just keeps crawling out from under the rug. It's a past vulnerability and past hurt. So I recently did uh, an Ask Me Anything on Instagram. And I had a couple of questions about if their partner looking at other women on Instagram was okay. Now, For example, in this case, there can be so many variations about how people feel about if it's okay to look at a past partner on Instagram. Now, if you have a past vulnerability of infidelity or feeling abandoned or like your emotional needs aren't going to be met or maybe you're not enough, these past vulnerabilities are going to be beneath the surface. And if your partner then kind of does something that pokes at it, you're going to probably 
get upset, and this could easily turn into conflict. So we have past vulnerabilities and past hurts. Whereas if you were in another relationship where like you didn't have any past vulnerabilities or you hadn't had infidelity, you felt safe and secure in your relationships, your emotional needs had been met, you might not be upset about a partner having other people they look at on Instagram. So it depends about those past vulnerabilities and hurts. And when they're poked, we usually have big reactions. I like the phrase, if it's hysterical, then it's historical. I'll say that again. If it's hysterical, then it's historical. And what that means is if we're having a big reaction to something, chances are there's a deep meaning beneath it for us. Another reason, the third reason that couples often fight are missed bids for connection. So a bid for connection is anything we do to get our partner's attention, affection, connection. Now, when we make that bid for connection, our partner can do one of three things. They can turn towards, turn away, or turn against. So for example, let's imagine it's Saturday night, my husband is watching the UFC as usual, and my dog stinks, and I decide we need to wash the dog. If I come downstairs, I'm like, babe, the dog stinks, can we wash him? My husband pops his head up and looks at me and says, sure. We can wash the dog, but can we wait till 2 a.m.? Because I'm just watching the fights right now. He's noticed and acknowledged my request. He's even agreed to do it. He has turned towards my bid. He could turn away. So maybe he just keeps his eyes glued on the TV, doesn't even look up at me. Or he could turn against. He could tell me to shut up. Can't I see that he's just watching the fights? Gosh, do it myself. This is what he does every Saturday. Now, turning towards fuels relationships. So when someone turns away or turns against, these things are more likely to have that moment turn into a conflict situation. As John Gottman says in his book, What Makes Love Last, he points out that what the number one thing couples fight about is nothing. We fight when we do a misbid for connection and it's missed and we get our feelings hurt or if someone turns away. For example, if I say to my partner, hey, can we watch a different show tonight? And they go, no. And they're like, oh, seriously, maybe this feels this is this is not a turn towards. And so we can squabble about these little things. We miss these bids for connection. And it's how we respond to our partner in these moments that can either be a turn towards, a turn away or against. It doesn't mean you have to do what they want. A turn towards if your partner says, can we watch something else tonight? You could say, okay, I know you want to watch something else tonight. Can we make a deal? Can we watch my show tonight and your show tomorrow? It's when we recognize what they're asking, what that longing is for, and we re when we respond to it. All right. The fourth reason couples have conflict, and you've heard me talk about these before if you've been listening to the show. These are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. These are criticism, contempt, stonewalling, and defensiveness. This is from the Gottman's research, so is the misbids for connection. So criticism is when you start a conversation and you point out a flaw or character defect in your partner. So if you say something like, you're so lazy, you've left your shoes at the door. Chances are your partner's not going to respond well. Very few people respond well to criticism. The second is contempt. This is talking to our partner with an air of superiority, talking down to them, belittling them. So this is saying something like, what do you think I am, your slave? Go pick up your own shoes from the door. I'm not your mother. Yeah, talking down, demeaning, that one. Don't do it. Of the four horsemen, that one is the most toxic for relationships. We have defensiveness. Defensiveness is warding off the attack or playing innocent victim. So you could be saying, oh my gosh, no, it wasn't me. The dog must have left my shoes at the door. Or so, you leave your shoes at the door too. And the last one is stonewalling. This is conveying displeasure or disapproval towards your partner. Now you could stonewall by just staring at them blankly, not saying anything, or literally just walking away. So these are four reasons for conflict. 
and maybe you identified with some of them here. What do you think? Um, what are the reasons you get into conflicts? Is it needs, dreams, feelings that aren't being met, past hurts and vulnerabilities, misfits for connection, or the use of the four horsemen? So you want to think about that because when we can become aware of what's fueling our connection, when we have more insight, it gives us a path to what do we need to work on to start improving our communication. And here are five reasons, five very valid reasons to work on your relationship communication. The first, to get some tools to strengthen your relationship and nurture your love so you can feel confident you're compatible not only now but when you're 65 years old sitting on your front porch enjoying a tea and the life you've built together to have a relationship built on compassion trust and respect to improve how you solve problems and compromise and to feel heard and understood even about difficult topics so you two can be a team for things in your relationship and outside of your relationship i mean isn't that why so many of us get into partnerships so that we have someone there that is like can be our cheerleader and pick us up when things are hard or their words can be like bomb for our soul on a hard day we don't want our partner to feel like a porcupine who's prickly and we're afraid we're gonna get pricked we want them to feel like a teddy bear somewhere soft and safe we can go so here's the thing no no matter if you're like eh, our communication isn't that bad or our conflict isn't that bad do we really need to work on it yeah like it is way easier to work on a problem when the problem is small. I am saying work on the problems when they're not that bad. So imagine going to the beach, right? You go to the beach, the plastic shovel, you're gonna go dig a hole. You dig for five minutes, how deep is that hole gonna be? How easy is it gonna be to fill in? You dig for five days, for five hours a day, how deep is that hole gonna be? How easy is it gonna be to fill in? If you dig for five years, five days a week, how deep will that hole be? How easy will it be to fill in? Like a hole, a relationship problem is going to be easier to solve when it's only a small one. You know, if I go to that beach and I've been digging for five minutes, I can probably just fill it in with some kicks of sand. But for five years, five days a week, I'm going to need tractors and weeks to fill in that hole. So why wait until you have a big problem when you can start improving your relationship today? You know, most couples avoid getting help, but I know that's not you because if you're hearing my voice, you are getting a little bit of help. So whether it's a podcast, a self-help book, an online course or therapy, you're thinking it's not that bad. Start working on things today so that you have the skills and tools to conquer your problems when it is going to be a big deal so that you never have to get in that position where you're like swimming in problems from your external life in your relationship and the problems are too big to solve. So when you start to identify what are the things triggering your conflict? How can you begin to solve them? Well, one is to work on how you present your complaints to your partner. Complaining is okay. It's okay to say, for me, for example, with my with the spoon, I'm missing doing our chores together. I'm starting to feel that the division of labor is inequitable in our relationship, and I just need it to go back to how it was. It's okay to say that I'm asking for a positive need. I'm not criticizing. I'm not blaming. I'm just saying, look, I want it to go back to how it was. And it was a good conversation about how summer has taken us away from each other. We've been doing a lot of stuff not together. And we just, it'll be great to hit September, October and get back into our routine. So work on how you present information. Complain, don't blame, don't criticize. That makes it easier for the listener to do the next things that are helpful, which is listen. Listen to what your partner says. Remember, you don't need to solve everything. You don't need to fix it. In fact, simply just listening 
tends to solve more things than solving the problem in many cases. Sometimes you need to solve, but sometimes the answer is actually just listening. And if you can, to validate a part of your partner's perspective, that makes sense. I know it's hard to do, but it can be super helpful in, in quashing a conflict before it even gets started. The next thing that can help you to solve your communication is make an internal commitment to preserving the peace in your relationship over being right and like driving a point home. Know that what you say is going to have an impact, not only in this moment, but for weeks, months, years later. Maybe you've been in a relationship and it feels like your partner is an elephant. They never forget. They remember that thing you said five years ago, that night out, you're like, oh my gosh, I can't live this down. That's because these things really, really hurt. So do your best to stay away from putting yourself in the position where your partner is going to be like an elephant that never forgets. And stay away from saying hurtful things that you can't take back, that you can't unhear. And that means making a commitment to yourself that you are going to choose managing your words and not hurting the person you love. That's a little bit of personal sacrifice, emotional regulation for the good of your partnership. The next thing to do in working on your communication is remembering there's always more than one side to a story. You can both be right. So people argue with me and they say, Amber, what if the sky is blue? What they're saying it's purple. Okay, well, like you're looking up at the sky through your clear-eyed glasses and the sky is blue. Now, what if on that particular day your partner was wearing, I don't know, rose-colored glasses and the reflection off their glasses plus the blue sky made it look purple. There's always two sides to a story. You can both be right. So don't get caught up in the factual inaccuracies and it happened at this time from this way because our memories are not like tape recorders. While we can record almost anything on our phones, our, our memories don't work that way and our memories often have holes. So chances are you think you're right, so does your partner, you're both wrong because your memory is not going to remember it all perfectly. We're going to add in details that fit our emotion. We're going to adjust and change and make sense of things that make sense to us. And so remember, there's more than one side to the story. You can both be right, and you don't have to work to prove who was more right. That's a hard one. I love being right. You probably love being right too. And sometimes we have to choose the piece of the relationship over being right. Now, at some point, even if you work on how you present a problem, you listen, you validate, you commit to preserving the peace, you remember there's two sides of the story, at some point, you're going to make a misstep. Because if you're like me, you have the human condition and you are a human and you make mistakes. And a key after we make mistakes is working to make it better. So, you know, excluding situations of abuse. In most conversations that go awry, most, not all, most, both people play a role that contributed to the conflict getting out of hand. Maybe you didn't start it, but you got into it at some place. If either of you can think about what you could have done differently and work to take accountability and make amends for where you went wrong, this can go a long way in solving your problems and helping when your communication uh, goes awry. Now, the thing about conflict is it actually has a place in relationships. Uh, one of my favorite things that was said on the podcast by John Romanello was that on the other side of conflict is a better understanding of your partner. And I think John Gottman says something like this, you know, it serves to revamp connection. It serves to revamp sexual intimacy sometimes after, after conflict. So conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing. 
but how we do conflict is really important because we don't want to cause more damage than we can fix. You're going to have misunderstandings. You are going to get into conflicts. You're going to have a bad day. That is normal. I fight with my own self in my head. So if I fight with my own self in my head, naturally I'm going to fight with my partner sometimes. You don't have to be a perfect person, but you want to be on generally good behavior most of the time. And then when you're not like work to make amends. So let's talk about why you should bother to work on your communication. Because I bet you want to feel like your relationship is solid now. No one likes that feeling when you've woken up after a two-day fight, you feel emotionally drained, you can't focus at work, your mind is racing about your relationship. No one wants that. You want to feel confident your relationship is solid now, that your partner is your teammate, they're going to be your teammate now when you're 65 holding hands on your porch, so that your conversations feel like food for your soul, and so that you guys are just like the supportive little team, and that you know no matter what the challenge is, your partner has your back. So this is a commitment to yourselves to do the work, to improve your partnership, improve your communication so that you can build a really special love. Now, if you want a little bit more help with your communication and getting some tools to do that, you're in luck. My online course, Communication Cures, the pre-sale started again today. So today, for a couple more days, it's 21% off. In the online course, Communication Cures, you're going to get the tools to help you feel heard and respected so you can stop walking on eggshells. This is a self-paced course for couples, helping you transform conflict and loneliness into the kind of love and connection you have dreamed of. After the course, you're going to be able to stop having heated fights without resolutions. You're going to have strategies so you're both heard, you're both understood, and maybe even you come to a compromise. You can be supportive listeners. You can be that team that can tackle outside issues and turn towards each other. You can learn how to proactively avoid fights, nurture your relationship so that you feel confident you're going to be smiling and laughing together hand in hand when you are 65 years old. So Communication Cures is broken down into four core modules. The first module is all about the catastrophe. This section is designed to help you identify and prevent the most toxic communication patterns that lead couples to break up. And these are some of the things we've talked about, like the four horsemen. You're gonna get video, you're gonna get a workbook, and easy to use worksheets to help you break the destructive habits and even track your progress. The second module in Communication Cures is my fave because it's super fun. And these are the things that couples love to do in couples therapy. They're fun, light, and help you feel close and connected to your partner. Connection, this module is designed to help you add fuel to your emotional fire because without intentionally adding fuel, all fires go out. The words you say to your partner really do matter. They have an enormous impact on the overall communication with your partner. So in this module, we go through a five love languages quiz to learn how to love you and your partner best and a fun exercise where you show what you love, appreciate about each other so you can laugh and smile and melt into each other's arms. The third module is called consistency because, hey, most weeks are not made up of parties or tragedies. Most weeks are Tuesdays all strung together in a row. So these are the everyday kind of communication tools that can help you. You're going to get a framework for the ups and downs in life. So, you know, no matter the stressor, you guys can be supportive partners. You can learn how to use emotional validation. So your partner knows they are seen and heard about topics, even when you disagree. And the fourth module is conflict. So you get two frameworks. You get a PDF video and a guide for how to have productive conversations for issues where you disagree. And you're like, oh my gosh, how do we compromise? And 
You're going to get a framework and a video for how to process through and repair after past fights. So Communication Cures is on sale for a couple of days right now. Click the link in the show notes so you can get that 21% off. After those few days go by, the course is still going to be available for purchase, but you're going to have to get it at full price. So click the link in the show notes if you're interested. Thank you for tuning in to Relationship Psych, the podcast put on by Ember Relationship Psychology. If you're looking for more free relationship help or advice that comes straight from the couple's therapy room, check out the free resources and the blog at www.emberrelationshippsychology.com.